0: Thank you, choir, for that reminder of the imminence of Christ's return and the fact that uh, there is both judgment and hope in that return. That it is not just that uh, people will be judged, which is certainly the case, but there is hope for the believer that we will have our final rest. We will have our final home in the return of Christ, and we do look forward to that. And it does seem every day to be getting closer and closer and more. Uh, apparent as we see the pains and trials of this world. So uh, this morning we're going to be in Romans chapter 4 and we're going to continue in the second half of Romans chapter 4 as we look at the nature of faith. So last week we looked at the first half of Romans 4 and we found these two examples of Old Testament heroes who were saved or who were considered righteous, not according to their works, But according to faith. And the prime example of that man of faith is the man of uh, the character of Abraham in the Old Testament. So Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 4, verse 3, that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And Paul is dealing with a concern that any person who has ever tried to live a moral life should have. And that is the recognition that regardless of how good you are, regardless of how faithful you are, regardless of how obedient you are, everybody fails to live a perfectly moral life. And if that's the case, then if we're paid by our wages, as Paul gives the analogy of at the, in, the, in the beginning part of Romans chapter 4, if we're paid what we deserve then all of us will be found lacking and we all will face the judgment of God uh, because of our unrighteousness. But the great hope of the gospel is that there is another way of righteousness, a righteousness that does not depend on works, but a righteousness that depends on grace through faith. And so now Paul is going to continue with that example of Abraham And he's going to use the example of Abraham to define what faith is. And so today we're going to see the nature of faith from Romans chapter 4, verses 13 through 25. So let's read Romans chapter 4, verses 13 through 25 together. God's word says this. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, But through the righteousness of faith, for if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void for the law brings wrath. But where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. Not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of God in, in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist, in hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told so shall your offspring be he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old or when he considered the barrenness of sarah's womb no no distrust made him waver concerning the promise of god But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses, and raised for our justification. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we consider your word today, we know that your word is truth, that your word reveals the true way of righteousness. Father, I pray that you would give me the strength to speak as I should, that you would give those who hear it open ears and hearts to receive it. And Father, that you would gain the glory through what is said and done here today. I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. So this morning, I want you to see two points from the nature of faith. First, I want you to see the direction of faith, and then I want you to see the definition of faith. So first, let's consider the direction of faith from verses 13 through 15. So Paul points out here that the promise of God to Abraham and his offspring, it didn't come through the law, but it came through Faith. So remember I said last time that the Jews believed that Abraham was the supreme example of righteousness. And they believed that that was due to some un- unseen, unwritten righteousness that Abraham had that caused him to be worthy of God's favor. But Abraham, according to Paul, wasn't righteous because he had done good works that made him worthy. He was considered righteous because he believed God. He believed something very specific about God as well. He believed that God would keep his promise to make him into a great nation and to bless the world through him. Now, it's popular in our society to view faith as its own special power. I think we tend to see faith, if you watch Oprah or Dr. Phil or some of the other uh, talking heads on our TVs these days, you would seem, it would seem to f- uh, be that faith is a power in and of itself. As George Michael uh, Michael saying, you got to have faith, right? Some of you 80s kids know what I'm talking about. But... Um, When people say uh, that you've got to have faith or they say that faith does some sort of work, it's as though they they think that just believing something will happen will make it so. Actually, that's exactly what people think. In the 1980s, you had the positive movement, positivist movement, from Norman Vincent Peale, who taught that if you thought positively about your life, thought positively about your circumstances, then you could obtain your goals. Nowadays, young people talk about manifesting. And manifesting is the idea that you can just wish something to be, and if you wish at it hard enough, you can cause it to manifest. Uh, By the way, can you tell that we've had a whole generation that was raised by Disney? (laughs) Because they just wish and think things happen. But true saving faith is not faith for faith's sake. True saving faith is directed towards something or more particularly towards someone. Abraham didn't believe in himself. It wasn't that Abraham sat down and said, I just believe, I believe, I believe that I can have a child. And he had a child. No, he didn't believe in himself at all. He believed in the God who made the promise to him. He believed. That the God who had called him into Canaan, the God who had provided for him through famine and trial and even his own mistakes, that God would keep his promises. And this leads me to my second point, which is the definition of faith. And we find that in verses 16 through 25. So in verses 16 through 25, Paul uses the life of Abraham to provide a definition for us of what faith is. First, notice that faith rests on grace. Paul says that the promise depends on faith so that it might rest on grace. So understand that faith is not a work that you do to gain God's favor. This is a common misconception that we tend to have about what faith does or what faith is. It's not as though God all of a sudden changed the rules and said, you know what, I'm going to take all 600 and something laws that I wrote in the Old Testament and I'm going to reduce it down to just one. All I want you to do is believe. And it's not as though God just made, up, made one rule for us to obey. No, instead, it's more like what John Calvin said. John Calvin said that faith is an empty hand that reaches out to receive a gift. So let me give you an example. Imagine that you're on a raft in in the Colorado River, and you're going down through that torrent of the Grand Canyon, and you fall out of your raft. And you're just as helpless as you can be. You're being tossed about by the rapids. You're, you, can't, uh, you, you shouldn't try to take a foothold. And you can't make it to any shore to get free. And you're, you're in taking water and you, you can't seem to fight the current. And right before you go under and give up all hope and die, someone on shore throws a life raft to you with a rope attached. And just before you sink to your death, you reach up and you take that life uh, preserver and you put it around you. And that person on shore, your hero, he pulls you to shore. Now, we would think it absolutely ridiculous if someone, after being saved in such a manner, were to stand up on the shore and say, Wow, look at how I saved myself by reaching out and taking that preserver. That would be ridiculous, right? No, all praise and glory and honor would go to who? It would go to the person on shore who threw you the life raft and who brought you in. It is not your faith that saves you. It is the God of grace through whom you receive uh, through which uh, through faith that you receive the God Uh, The grace that God has given you. It is that God of grace that saves you, not the faith that you have to receive it. In the scenario of the of the raft, you simply received the rescue. You didn't participate in it. You just received it. And in a similar way, faith receives the grace that God shows to us. Second, faith requires hope. So in verses 17 and 22, 17 through 22, Paul reminds us of some hard facts about Abraham's life. Now, we all at some point in our lives will face suffering, will face face trials, will face difficulties of one kind or another. But Abraham he had it pretty bad because the one priority that he had in life was to have a son. And he could not have the son. And Paul reminds us first in verse 19 that Abraham was as good as dead. He uses that very phrase He says he was as good as dead at the point that he received or he conceived of Isaac. He was 100 years old in the same verse. He says, uh, Paul reminds us that Sarah was barren. Now, the word that Paul uses there for barren actually means deadness. So catch this. God took a dead man and a dead womb, and from that he brought life. Paul puts it this way at the end of verse 17. He gives life to the dead and he calls into existence the things that do not exist. In order for Abraham to have faith in that promise, he had to hope against hope. There was no physical reason to believe the promise of God. All the evidence pointed to the contrary of what God promised to Abraham. He was old and his wife was barren. They had never been able to have kids. There was no evidence that they would ever be able to have kids. But God made a promise and Abraham hoped against hope that he would uh, fulfill his promise. He placed his hope in the Lord. Finally, faith rejoices in the hope of resurrection. So in verses 23 and 24... Paul says that Abraham's faith defines our faith. So remember, Abraham was as good as dead and Sarah's womb was dead. But God caused life to come from death. In the same way, we are as good as dead. Everything about our lives communicates death to us. I mean, even the seasons... Communicate a cycle of life and death. I mean, the springtime right now is a beautiful time, and we've got bees and wasps also uh, floating around and 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 flowers blooming, and it, it's it's a beautiful time. But then will come fall and winter. And we just came out of February, which is the deadest time of the year. And all of that reminds us that this life is full of death. You Individually, in order to survive, something else has to die. Have you ever thought about that? In order for, for you to live, something else has to die. Whether you're, you're on the carnivore diet or on the vegan diet. I'm sorry, vegans, I hate to tell you, but when you eat lettuce, the lettuce dies. Okay? <laughs> Everything lives... By something else dying. But in in a broader sense, we see that this life is full of death. We see it in our own lives as we go through the changes of this life and we age and we go through infirmities and we face the trials of this life. We see it when we lose loved ones to death and then we ultimately face death ourselves. So like Abraham, there is no physical reason to believe that we can be saved from death. Like Abraham, we are totally dependent on the promise of God. And the only evidence that we have is that God has been faithful to us. And we believe the promise of God in spite of what the world around us tells us. We hope against hope that God will be faithful to fulfill his promise. And one day, whether that be tomorrow or 10,000 years from now, he will cause our bodies to rise again from the dead and we will live with him for all of eternity. And just as God proved himself faithful to Abraham by giving him a son of promise, so too God has proven himself to be faithful to us by giving us a son of promise, Jesus Christ. And that son of promise, Jesus Christ, rose again from the dead. Paul says that Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. And so just as Jesus rose from the dead, all those who have hoped in him will rise again from the dead on that great and last day. So friend, if you stare long enough at the death and decay of this world, you cannot help but long for something more. If you watch the senseless war in Ukraine or the violence in our own cities, you can't help but want things to be made right. God has promised that he is going to make things right through his son, Jesus Christ. As the choir saying at the uh, offertory, he is coming soon and he will bring judgment and he will bring restoration and he will bring salvation to those who have trusted in him. He has promised that Christ will return to judge the world and to give eternal life to all who trust in him. Won't you trust? In Jesus Christ today. Brothers and sisters. Our hope is in Christ alone. Our hope is not even in our faith. Oh brothers and sisters. Do not measure your standing before God. Based on how much faith you have. Or how faithful you have been. If you want to hold your faith up as the reason for which God should accept you, then you're doing nothing more than what a good Jew would do and saying, look at how much I trusted in you. I deserve salvation because of that. No, your faith is not something to bring to God as a work that you did. Your faith is the way that you receive the grace of God. Understand that you are not saved By how tightly you cling to the cross, you are saved by the cross to which you cling. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the grace of Christ. We thank you for the way that you save us, not because of our work, not because even our fervent belief. You save us because of our receiving and identifying with Christ. And in identifying with Christ, we receive the promise of resurrection through him. So, Father, I pray that you would remind us of the hope of that resurrection, that you would enable us to hope against hope. Even though this world rages in war and in in violence and in uh, disease, even though everything points to the grave, yet we know that there is one who is defeated the grave, and who is raised again for our justification. And so, Lord, we trust in that hope that Jesus Christ will be the resurrection that we need, that he will cause us to rise again as well. And Father, we ask that you would give us faith to rest in you, that you would remind us daily of the hope that we have in Christ. Pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.